you enjoy sitting at the pub or at the ground, listening to two blokes tell you who's going to win the footy and why, you know, the type of guys that puff at their chest and say, after their obscure multi comes up. Well, if you do, this is the podcast for you. If you're anything like me, you'll be so excited for the next round of footy that you'll be climbing up the lamppost outside of Richmond Station and elbowing people in the crowd just to make your seat in time for the warm-ups. But if parkour and low-level pedestrian violence isn't your thing, skip the crowds and head on down to the Yorkshire Hotel. A warm fireplace, the best meals east of the G and premium beverages on tap. It's time to do footy right, and that's down at the Yorkshire Hotel on the corner of Punt Road and Langridge Street in Abbotsford. All right. It's been a hot take merchant's wet dream this week after multiple incidents. So you've probably heard everyone's opinion except for one. Let's let him loose. The people's opinionist, Barrel. Have you survived all the controversy, mate? Oh, it's still made in, to be honest. The can't believe it's gone for this long. And talking about Yorkshire on the way back from uh, Boleyn, playing out at Trinity on the last Saturday. I, probably, I nearly pulled into the Yorkshire for yeah. a couple of stiff drinks. It was a tough day, tough afternoon out at Trinity for the... Uh, youngins. Youngins, but... Uh, you know, it's, we all got to be probably a bit ahead of ourselves, and we all had a bad day, myself included, in the uh, coach's box. But uh, yeah, no, it's been the rampy stuff's been doing my head in, just get on with it. Common sense was used, had no effect on the game. I don't care if it's a rule. For once, we talk, we always talk about we want umpires to have a feel for the game. I feel like he had a feel for the moment. He did. He knew that Myers wasn't going to kick it. He knew Rampy, Rampy's actions really didn't had no effect on the game. Yeah. And just went, ramp, stop being a dick, get down, yeah. move on with it. And Essendon, if you're going to bitch about the fact that you could have won the game because of that, you need to look back at the previous hour, hour and a half of that game and realise why I didn't win because yeah. they're a better team on paper than Sydney and they should have won. You used to call me on my cell phone Late night when you need my love Call me on my cell phone Late night when you need I'm going to get you on the blower. I'm going to talk about umpires this week, Baz, but not not in not in specifics. I'm going to talk about the philosophy of umpiring. You mentioned it briefly just then. So this is like a would you rather your classic uh, late night discussion down at the Yorkshire Hotel type situation. Yep. Would you rather umpires blow every single free kick possible and make and like maybe blow some that aren't there, or blow nothing at all and miss really obvious free kicks? Well, for me, I think the the obvious ones that get, that get Missed, especially probably since Anzac Day, since they've changed the philosophy on umpiring. Because if you look at the stats before round, it was round four where mm-hmm. it was, umpires are paying nearly 50, between 40 and 50 free kicks a game. At the moment, it's anywhere between 20 and 35 or something. Like it's, it's dropped massively. They're not, play, they're not paying free kicks, and the ones that they're missing are absolute obvious free kicks. So holding the balls, you know, throws, holes in, in marking contests, those sorts of things. And it has an effect on the game. Like I saw it against Jaden Hunt. You know, he got tackled. The ball hit the ground. He almost, he pretty much drop kicked it back into the centre square in that Gold Coast game about two or three minutes to go. Play on. We've seen, you know, saw Anzac Day with the holding the ball. We saw a few other ones. You know, that has given a turn. You go, nah, play on because we're, we're we're being told not to pay as many free kicks. So holding the ball and incorrect and to correct disposal is gone. Pretty much gone from the game. I reckon you can do whatever you want at the moment. But I'd refer him to play. I'd prefer them to pay free kicks and make sure they don't miss the obvious ones and you know maybe call the odd one that isn't there than just flat out call 20 free kicks in a game and miss 10 to 15 obvious ones because what always happens is I'll miss three or four obvious ones and they pick out one that's not there mm. and it, it that pisses me off more. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've had this discussion in uh, many... Uh, mediums and many channels this week about like what's the essence of the game and what's the important part of the game and as much as we all want to see dominant midfielders burst through packs and have as long as possible to get rid of the pill there is something about this game that should reward the tackler for doing a good tackle but like if you run a guy down and he attempts to take you on or you're running face to face with a guy and he attempts to take you on. If you tackle him in a way that he cannot get rid of the ball, that's a skill that should be rewarded, and exactly. you should get a free kick. Correct. I'm 100 percent with you. Yeah. You, like that chase down tackle should be a free kick. Yeah. A couple of times in the Essendon Kyle game has been numerous times over the last few weeks, but they've legitimately chased down a bloke, or he's trying to fend off two or three blokes, then gets pinned, 
and he throws it and it bounces off someone and he gets a hand to it and it's a legitimate throw or yeah. incorrect disposal. It doesn't get paid. Play on. Because they want the game to move more and move quicker, but it doesn't move quicker or more if they don't pay those. Exactly. So, I, I, And then you spread it. You get reward for the tackle, so it's still an in and tight and contested game. And in turn, as many coaches have said, that will open the game up more naturally than any other anti-congestion rules you'll have. Well, Buckley's a big advocate for rewarding the tackler yep. because they're opening up the game and add more speed. And if the players know that once they get tackled, they get pinpoling the ball, you'll see them move the ball a lot quicker. Mm. Yeah, I'm, well, it's probably the biggest gripe for mine is the incorrect exposure of holding the ball. The other one's probably the 10 the ten metre rule, which is, you know, it's meant to be 15 metre kicks, but they kick it 8, 9, 5, 6 metres. Uh, that really irks me because it's not that hard to decipher what 10 metres or 15 metres, especially the way that grass is cut. You can see, you know, yeah. quite easily how they're only 9 metres or 12 metres or 10 metres, whatever it is, so you know how far 15 is. They're probably the two that annoy me the most. The other one is um, if, it, if it's in the four line, a, a, a defender will get paid a tit-for-tat free kick against. But if the forward does it to the defender, it doesn't get paid, and it's probably a bit controversial. I mean, but the one is uh, Jamie Elliott on the weekend. Uh, Chris got the goal from 50-minute penalty. If that had been roles reversed where Plowman was doing that to Elliott, Elliott would have got a free kick. The, there's another one with the uh, Irishman from Sydney. Uh, where Darcy Parrish could go very late in the game where he went up for the ball Hooker absolutely took out his arms chopped his arms no doubt ball came down Parrish could go if that had been reversed mm. we were going to free kick the hooker so th- they definitely do favour the forwards and I probably understand why but uh, and it's that, it's that mantra there as well is they want they want points they want yeah. goals so they're going to yeah try, they're trying to manufacture all these ways and I think as other coaches have come out and said, Don Park came out and said, like all these things they're trying to do to make it more free flowing and scoring, is actually had the opposite effect. And in a way, it's like the more you change. And there's a, a pretty good uh, article about it from last year on uh, HPN, which is a nice little website uh, that says like we've made increasingly more changes in the last twenty years, and it's had a negative impact on scoring. And even when they tested this in the tack, when back on tack footy it was called tack footy. The year after they brought in anti-density rules, scoring dropped by ten yeah. percent and continued to drop by ten percent year on year. Yeah, it's like you look at the stats. No, no one's using the corridor at the moment, so it's because you can't create out numbers. That's yeah. the number one thing. That's that's the easiest yeah. way. Overlap is overlap run, yeah. and you can't do that if you're playing one on one across the ground. Yeah, so yeah, it's you needed more more than three games of the six 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 to get an idea whether we should bring it into the AFL. It was a great idea in theory, but. Uh, Coaches are a lot smarter than what people give them credit for. The other thing I want to talk to you about is in Coach's Corner. So we've come to round nine. This is where form lines started to firm up, and it's where people had hot starts kind of hit a rut. And I've found three different class of clubs that are having that effect. And I wanted to ask you, as the coach of the podcast, how do you coach them out of a rut? Probably probably not the person to ask after last week, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I'll give it a go. (laughs) And uh, it's for, yeah, three different tiers of teams. So the first tier is young teams. So we've got Gold Coast on a four-game losing streak and Carlton on a three-game losing streak. Both of those are interesting because they've played patches of good footy and they've shown endeavour. So, like, the obvious thing to go to in a young team is, like, are we still trying? Yeah. And there's two ticks of both clubs there. So what do you do? Or do you just take the results out of it and say, we don't care if we win? I think think you definitely show they're getting... Bang for their buck. I mean, I mean, especially Gold Coast. They've what, had four or five games within three points, four points. Yeah. So it's close for them. It's, it's you can keep going back to them and saying, look, you know, it's it, you're nearly there. This is working. Uh, again, Stuart Hughes gone. Basically, I can de- teach them to defend, keep the games low scoring, keep them close. A, we don't get blown out of the water. B, we're always in the game, which they have been so far this year. They've been in every game except for point two, and uh, you know. It gives the players some reward for effort. Um, you also got to keep it enjoyable. You got to try and keep it enjoyable, mix it up, especially young blokes. Uh, but there's also obviously a lot of learnings as well. So if you had seen Melbourne Gold Coast game, you saw where you know players went to the got sucked into the stoppage while Harms and Marty Hall and those sorts of blokes they stayed out and let 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 the the ball winners in the midfield of Melbourne, which they do just pretty well generally. You know they they want number best team in contested footy, got it out and. You know, they're standing by themselves because they're, they're actually experienced uh, Gold Coast players got sucked into mm. the to the contest. So 
For me, I think Gold Coast are definitely going to run away. The last few weeks from uh, Carlton have been up and down. Obviously, against North Melbourne, they dropped right away. They were very, very good against Collingwood. Again, playing that ex- they play a bit different. They're obviously defending well, but they're starting to attack more. And that's why there's high, they're scoring a lot more, but obviously they're getting scored against a bit as well. And that's probably the downfall for them, I reckon. Against Collingwood and Hawthorne, when they were in front and they were playing good footy and stuff, once they hit the front by two or three goals, they almost went safe mm. and too safe. So you saw uh, there was a kick, I think, from uh, Weedering that got showed a few times where you saw Mark Murphy was telling him, kick down the line, down the line, through the guts, let's go through the middle, because I think they were a goal down. And he tried to hit up a you know a 25-meter kick on the 45, but like right on the boundary, and he missed, and Tom Phillips got the ball and ran and kicked the goal. That sort of thing where they're, they're not... They're not ready to take that risk on. They're still doubting themselves kind of thing. They're almost scared of making mistakes. So that's mm. the other thing as well for the coaches is like, you know, you're going to make mistakes. That's fine. But make positive ones. Yeah, we want to encourage you to keep making them so you learn from them instead of hesitating on, on having that kick and, and taking that kick and worried about getting blasted. So obviously Stewie Jew and, and uh, Bolton are doing a great job and, I, I still, I still have a doubt about Bolton because, like I said just then, like if the players are still doubting, taking that kick, and when they get in front by two or three goals, they're getting really defensive and they're stopping that uh, that flow of footy that they play. Well, then something's obviously. And what it suggests is that perhaps that Bolton isn't confident in maintaining patches of play. Yeah. Because if you get two or three goals in front, then surely the thing would be this is working, keep going, not. Not, oh, we need to defend now because I don't think we can maintain this level of play for another quarter or another half. I mean, Collingwood did go up another 10%, 20%. They put a lot of pressure on Carlton and they would have felt that. But, yeah, it worries me a bit. Gold Coast definitely play one way. They want to get the ball over the back as much as possible. They play pretty high up the ground and try and get over the back. And when Carlton played uh, Gold Coast a few weeks ago, Carlton stopped that by playing like a goalkeeper Mm. and playing someone behind so they couldn't go over the back. And it... It stifled Gold Coast for most of the game, and I think teams are starting to do that now as well. Where they're putting one or two behind the footy and stops Gold Coast from going with the back. So they've got to try and figure out another way to score, and that's probably why they're only scoring you know, 40, 50 points at the moment a game. So, but that's I think that's an evolution of Gold Coast that will come. I think you know I think Stewart is going to go right. We're not going to get beaten by big margin this year, and they've probably had one. I think. Yeah. Uh, they got came, got back in a game against West Coast, but I think that yeah he's. All right, we're not going to get blown out. We're going to stay competitive. I want to make sure these players understand the style of football, hard, contested footy. And I think in time, he'll start you know, yeah. bringing it. As, as Carlton have probably gone, they started playing that attacking footy. You've got to be worried about getting blown away. Regressed last year to playing that defensive style of footy. Start of this year, I thought they were pretty disappointing. The last four or five weeks, they've shown a bit more. And I hope they keep going. And I'm a bit worried about their drop-off against Kangaroos and how many times that's going to happen this year. And... We know Carlton's record after halfway through the year, so especially the last like, four years, mm. they, they don't win a game. So that's where my worry might come around 13-14, and that's where Bolton has to keep it fresh, keep the list taken over, keep the players you know healthy, and more importantly, trying to keep players like Crusoe, Simpson, those sorts of blokes on the field because they are big players from and Cripps, who's played more midfield minutes than any other midfielder in the comp, and it's only around, what, eight. Mm. And he's carrying a big low for that Carlton team, so... And also long term, because like obviously Carlton will win a premiership this year. You don't want to burn him out like other mids have been burnt out. So we saw that happen to Judd's career a little bit, yeah. where he got essentially used and abused at West Coast, came back to Melbourne, and then got even more abused yeah. at Carlton, where he literally had to carry a team. And you don't want to see you want to see him maintain. And even blokes like like Five hasn't been able to really put in multiple big workload years together. Yeah, and like his in, his injuries are more freak injuries. But even Dangerfield, Dusty. All those blokes are having patches of like twenty to twenty-five games in a row, and then they'll have a bit of a, a bit of a wobble because you just can't maintain it week yeah. in week out. I can't remember. It was one of the footy shows on Monday night was saying it would be good to see uh, what a Crips opponent is doing after like later in games because obviously you know he's going to be cooked by third quarter. I mean that workload he's doing mm. all that bullocking work and. Like he's a he's a get out kick sometimes from down the line because he's such a big boy, he's such a great player. But that those minutes and that you know carrying he's had injuries as well in the past. This is mm. probably the first season I can think of where he's been pretty fit most of the time. So, well, so far this year, um, twenty eight rounds in. But yeah, that workload you have to be 
on Carlton's mind that we hey we need to probably pull this back a bit. But obviously, they but want no, to... also do you throw in? You can't like he's, he's yeah. He's, that, he's that, doing that, he's doing that workload for a reason. They obviously want to win more games and yeah. Well, they need to win more games because at the moment, if they don't, they've uh, absolutely butchered this. Uh, oh, in my opinion, anyway, we won't know for a few years, but they've butchered this uh, rebuild. This yeah. no, not the rebuild, the, the swap with Adelaide. It's... Oh, well, yes, absolutely. Uh, moving on to the second tier of teams that have been a bit of a, a rut. As these are the middling ones, which I think have to make a decision now: Are we pushing for finals or do we? Not tank, because obviously no one wants to tank. We wouldn't ever let anyone tank. But maybe think about blooding some youngsters and thinking about more of... Not not so much next year, but making sure that we have list progression for the years to come. St Kilda, three-game losing streak. Uh, Fremantle, two-game losing streak. Yes, three and two games are, are like, you know, a bit short to like really push the big red emergency button. But they're showing signs and they're playing styles of football which aren't convincing or compelling for finals. Well, St Kilda should have got blown out of the water against West Coast mm. in that last quarter. West Coast kicked four or five points in a row and all gettable goals, and then St Kilda got a bit of a run on, made the score look a bit more respectable than what it should have. You know what you get from, from St Kilda, but obviously they, their injuries are tailing and starting to catch up with them, and their ball use can be a bit iffy sometimes, and you know they're relying on Bruce and Ford and Membry and... You know, Parker is in his first year of footy and Long, he's you know still a young and experienced player, along on the ruck of like Marshall and stuff like that. So that, and they've got some good backs, you know, Wilkie and all those sorts of put pattern and you know, Brown's reliable and those guys, but they're not really that next tier mm. yet. They might get there another year or two. But again, I, you know what you're gonna get from St Kilda and they just gotta keep pushing that style of footy. They, they've you know, obviously become a bit more careful with the footy than what they were last year. They really went quick and tried to plan a lot. Um Look, I think for them, their, their, their injury toll is what's telling. So, yeah, they might just make finals, but I think, again, Richardson's trying to keep his job and he's probably going to, he should keep it to the end of the year at least. They've just got to capitalise on the teams that, when they play that they should be beating. Um, and for me, Frio, I don't know what's happened in the last two weeks. Because that, that Richmond game is a big, big loss. Of that them. is, that is massive. Look, they've got, they've got a good enough midfield, good enough defence, and a, a very good four line. So their delivery going inside forward 50 is terrible. It's up there with Melbourne mm. at the moment. And I've watched them the last two weeks and just done it. I swear they they, they see imaginary Fremantle players sometimes. Um, players that are up and down a bit, like so you've got, um, you know, Matera and Hogan are dropping in and out of games. Walters and and has been and the Hill, Hill boy, well, Brad Hill has been a bit down as well the last couple of weeks. So... They're, they're, Walters and Hill are big players for Freo. If they're up and about, Freo up and about. So they've been a bit down the last few weeks. Mm. Their back line holds up pretty well, but obviously in the weekend they all got beaten comfortably. Um, and for me, for Freo, I don't think they can... I don't think, I've don't. i said this previously in previous years. I don't reckon Rory Lobb's the number one ruckman. No. Oh, and they've got you know a couple of good players there that can ruck. I think Sean Darcy should definitely be coming in and rucking. And Lobb plays second ruck and plays forward. And McCarthy hasn't been great the last few weeks. So maybe McCarthy gets a spell back in the twos. Lobb and, and Hogan are your forwards. And you've got the smalls around it. And mm. you're tapping to play in that hybrid sort of well, yeah. role. Because, yeah, I, I, I can't see him. So he, he had Nank and he went down. And then he pretty much got, even though he had probably a bit of dominance in the air, his tap work, he got beaten around the ground by, you know, if you had a, if that had been Grundy or a, a Max Gorn or even a Sean Darcy, I reckon he would have monstered, you know, uh, Broad and, and Bolter. Mm, absolutely. But I reckon, yeah, it's it's funny because he didn't want to ruck at GWS, but he's come to Freo and he's number one ruck. So it's well, I think he might have been given a, a given the spiel saying you won't ruck, and then they went, oh, we, well, we're going to have to. Yeah, sorry, it's a bit weird. But I think Fremantle's still the upside. I'm probably going to tip him again this week because Eston got injuries, but. Yeah, I think out of those two teams, Ferro definitely still got a lot of upsides. Just whether they can get some consistency and get a bit of, you know, they've got a lot of new players in the in the team and the, the club as well in the last couple of years. So it's probably a bit more cohesion and just getting that uh, that link between the forwards and mids that you know where they're going to lead and you know trusting to kick it to them and those sorts of things. Yeah. So and probably getting it in the right bloke's hands, like a Monday's hands. You know he's going to hit a target, a Hill's hand, a Walter's hands. You know they're going to hit tit when they kick it so and that has been their problem especially especially when you see people that have a reliance on your more ballistic midfielders so you like in previous seasons which are along with Dangerfield in previous seasons with uh, with Fife 
like they're not great delivery kicks. No. They can burst from a stoppage. They can get your meters. Five players butcher the footy. But they just, they just they just kick it. They just get it and kick it. And Cripps to an extent, but he's actually improved this year to become a bit more of that complete, more like Dusty in a sense because Dusty's a great kick exiting clearance. The same with Cripps now, and the rest of them kind of are a bit iffy on disposal. So they're not Dylan Shield levels, but any sense for. No. Playing in boots. Yes, but speaking of Dylan Shield, that's the last two with losing streaks. So Eston's losing streak is extended to three now. Port Adelaide to two. These are teams that, if you're a fan, would be saying they're aiming for top four. The yep. punnets would be saying top eight. Do you go wholesale changes either to game plan or list? Or if obviously injuries are suggesting that they're going to have to anyway. Well, Eston will have to make yeah. changes, and they But does this does their game style work? If you're a, if you're a, a team that wants to be top four and you lose multiple games in a row, do you have to question it or do you back it in? Well, I, I have a lot of issues with Essendon, especially their game style. So in the first half, they, they pretty much should have won and, and Sydney were playing that style of footy they've always played. Second half, Sydney went to more uncontested footy, holding the footy, had more marks, and that's where Essendon don't want that because they want the ball to be a bit chaotic. They want to use mm-hmm. their, their league speed. And... Sydney didn't allow that. So, again, it's another team that haven't allowed it and they've got no plan B. They don't know what to do. And, you know, Joey Danaher, obviously out, out as well, didn't help. And they kept kicking long inside, inside their 50. And, you know, Irish, as if JD was there yeah, and, and fully fit. And that Irish kid, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, and I apologise, but he had a game out because he just did what he wanted. And then their backs, like, they've got some bloody good backs, but, you know... Um, McCartan and Blakey and, and Dawson just went, oh, we've, we've played 50 games between us, but we're going to tear you apart. And they they did a really good job and they competed really, really well. And that's all you need to do. You just need to compete and bring the ball to ground. And yeah, I've got serious doubts for this. And I, they're, they're in strife. And I think I've said this numerous times. I really reckon Woosh is in strife as well. As for Port Adelaide, they've, they've gone on their box. So that, you know, they have, they've had that loss to, to Richmond. Had a win the following week, and then Collingwood absolutely spanked them. And I think that's they lost a bit of faith, I reckon, in their system after Collingwood spanked them because against Adelaide on the weekend, they just had they had showed no dash, no boldness to their play or anything. And it wasn't until the game was done, the last quarter, mm. they actually started playing that quick style, play on every chance, get the ball moving, and they got back in the game. But it was too little, too late. So I think yeah, Kenny Clear has to get back into their ear and just back that game style back us in we want to become this team it's where we want to play it's how we've got those wins earlier in the year let's get back on the bike and, again, and they've been beaten at their own game as well like they've been losing clearance counts both Collingwood who have been struggling in the middle and, and Adelaide as well yeah. and so yeah once you lose that once you lose your, your essence of your brand and for them it's been clearance work and ballisticness then it's hard to like do do the rest of the stuff. There's no running carry if they can't outlet to that running and carry. And again they've copped a few injuries like with Wines and Ebert and stuff like that so it's not ideal and mm. they Again, they're relying on some young kids, you know, Rose, Butters, we didn't play on the weekend, Drew, you know, spent, Drew's spent a lot of midfield minutes as well, even though he's more of a wing. Um, you know, Rose's played a lot of games and doing really well, Dursman's the other one. But yeah, so they're relying on, Rose was bloody clean on the week. Like, in a, a Dewey game that was, it was pretty tough conditions. He just ran through, picked it up one hand, like, no worries. He's going to be an absolute superstar, that kid. Like, it hurts me to say he plays Port Adelaide and I have to watch him. As long as he has quiet games against Collingwood and doesn't win a flag, I'm happy. But uh, <laughs> I still think Port will finish in the top eight. They just need to get, obviously, some players back from injury and just keep backing their game style. They've got some exciting talent around there. And I think uh, I'll be very surprised if tomorrow night when the teams are out, Motlop's not dropped. Yeah, for a guy that we were campaigning to bring back in. Uh, he didn't really do himself any no, favors with that he, game. I think he's, uh, as I said, he may have vastly shortened his own career. I think I said the other night, it's, a, it's been a pity how all the Motlop's careers have ended, and uh, I think he's gonna be another one on that list. Mm. All right, we also got to mention the uh, elephant in the room here because there's another type of a uh, of a team that's having a bit of a run at the moment. And that's us, the punting team. So whether it's cricket, footy, the horses, whatever we're punting on, sports in general, if you're having a rut, how do you get out of it as a punter? Do you do you back your systems in? Do you go do you go a complete refresh? I think you just go back to basics. Um, so obviously, last two weeks we've had a bit of a bit of a mare. I think we've tried to get a bit too cute. 
I think we just need to go back to basics. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty confident this week we are going to go back to basics and turn it around. We had a big start to the year, and I was, but obviously the last two or three weeks we've dropped off a bit. My tipping's gone to shit. I've gone from being two in front to four behind. Don't know how that happened. Um, but it team- has been a, a rough year for head-to-head tipping as well because I think I think the kiss of death is still like in the top two of most newspapers. Yeah, I- and those, those kind of things. So like, there, there is that reason. But also, now, the annoying part for me has been that when so we've changed the system to do the upset alerts and the fifty-fifties, and we're actually we're grading the games correctly. The handicapping is correct. Yeah. We're just on the wrong side of the upset. Like, oh, not the upset, wrong side of the 50-50s in particular. Yeah, let's, let's And it's hard to pick because that's what they call 50-50s. I, I had a good day Saturday, you know, on the punt and stuff and had a good night with the rugby and a good start of the day on Sunday with the rugby. But then I was very, very confident in Freo and JWS. Yeah. Just, even just head-to-head. Yeah. Confident as anything. And you just sit back and go, how, how? How did JWS lose that game like And that? even if you run back the tape for last week's episode... We said this. I tell, yeah. I asked you, why is why is Hawthorne so short in this game? And you said Alistair Clarkson, yeah. and he proved us all right. And Richmond, who, and Richmond always went at Optus or yeah. in Perth, in for, Perth some for some reason. And was, all these things, just they just all, and we mentioned them all, and we just Carlton, ignored them. Carlton Collingwood, the you know, yeah, the, always close to the Hoodoo game, yeah. bring it in. They always compete. Uh, so anyway, it is what it is, isn't it? It is what it is, and you can't win them all. And as long as you gamble responsibly, you'll be all right. Come on. Let's get into our round nine previews. Now, we'll start with the upset alert. Friday night, 8-10 at Optus Oval. West Coast versus Melbourne. West Coast are $1.28. Melbourne are $3.45, which is good value. The line here, 22.5. The over-under, a very, very, very dour 154. And the, the, they've made a new standard now, the bookmakers. Your standard over-under total line is 164. That's it. Like, basically, seven games this week are 164. So, well done on increasing your scoring, AFL. You did a really, really good job, just as a, a, just a little drive-by. So, Baz, I have one question and one favour to ask. Please talk me out of tipping Melbourne this week. You'd be stupid to tip Melbourne this week. Simple fact is they've got you know, more injuries. So, obviously, Hibbert's out now for a few weeks. I don't know if Lewis is going to get up, but it doesn't matter if he plays or not, to be honest. Uh... Melsham might be back, but uh, I doubt it. I think he's down as uh, he's down as four to five weeks, so he will not be back. So they're, they're struggling up forward. They're they got. They're, I think they're the worst in AFL history right now for forward conversions, going inside forward fifty and converting. Now, how do West Coast like to play? They like they like you know to get Shannon Hearn, Shepherd, McGovern. They sit behind the footy, take good you know. Um, intercept marks. They like to cause havoc with the with the forward line of the opposition. Get the footy in there, slingshots the other way. Especially at Optus Stadium, they play that ground really well. So Jed is going to have fun. You know, Lant Ryan, Willie Ole is probably going to be back. Garf and Shuey, they're going to have a ball against uh, the Melbourne midfield. The only upside I can see is Gorn is going to be playing against either Hickey or Vardy, who have been struggling lately, and you know. I think Oscar is it Oscar Allen's their backup ruckman, mm-hmm. so you know it's slim pickings there. But I think their midfield four line back line is just too good for Melbourne. Yes, they're getting inside four fifty. It's a good thing. It's a good start. There's, at least they're getting it there. But their scoring woes. They're averaging sixty nine points of the year. Is just not good enough. And I think West Coast, while the last two weeks have won games by four or five goals, or three goals last week and four or five it was against Gold Coast. They're starting to just turn it around. They're starting to play more of their footy. They're starting to get it going. And while they haven't had a full four-quarter performance yet, I think uh, you know, this is about time. And Melbourne will probably come out pretty tough because of what happened last year, last time they played here. And they probably want to make a statement. But for me, they're just playing not good enough football. They only beat Gold Coast by a point. Only just beat Hawthorne in that terrible game. The only other win for the year has been against Sydney. They've been pretty poor all year. I just don't see how they can just turn it around like that against a good team, the Premiership, you know, Premiership side from from last year at Perth Stadium. So to combat that, two glaring stats for West Coast are they're ranked seventeenth at the moment for time inside forward half. So they they're losing time inside forward half by nine and nine minutes. Yep. And in terms of their own inside fifty usage, 
They're only scoring from 38% of inside 50s at the moment, which is ranked 16th. So can Melbourne do a West Coast and score from their back half? And then use was blokes it, like it, it, Blues like Hunt, like blokes like Hunt and Hall as, as an outside run. Yeah, but Hunt butchers a footy. Hall is a decent player. They need to get it in Salem's hand. He's a good kick. The only, only other thing I can think of is you know, West Coast being really, really poor on loose ball gets and, and ground, ground ball footy mm-hmm. once it's come down. So is, is that's probably Melbourne's only other strength that they've got something over West Coast here. Yeah, but I, I, it is it is, and it's and it's a way that secondary, as we said, like the loose ball contested gets, yeah. and so Melbourne do both of that. So they're good at they're good at messy ball pickups, and they're also good at secondary tackles. So they're the best team for tackling away from stoppage. I I just can't see how the line of twenty three points. I saw it yesterday, and I went, oh, yummy. That's all I thought. I just thought this is the lock of the weekend. Really? Yeah, I, I can't. I, I thought in the upset alerts, I would have seen when I saw this before. I would have seen Fremantle and Essendon, not West Coast Melbourne. I thought you'd been all over the whole West Coast to bang Melbourne because Melbourne are ordinary. Get, let's get stuck in the Melbourne. Thing. I just have no read on Melbourne after after the year we've had with Melbourne, after the three seasons we've had with Melbourne. They've just they've just rattled me now. <laughs> you get absolutely lost. Oh, I'm I'm done. I'm not tipping them again. Yeah. Unless they play Carlton, and even then, I'll probably tip Carlton. All right. West Coast. Tip, oh, what really tip it is. To, remember last week we were really talking about tipping Gold Coast. Did I not say that? Yeah, I know. Did I not say it was the upset alert of the week and yeah. it missed out by a point? And then now, now we're trying to talk ourselves into tipping them over West Coast. And it's just a gut feeling. It's like lost, this is. We've lost our mind. It's just so Melbourne to well, just. You should go with your gut feel because my gut's been pretty good this year. Yeah. Until probably the last week or so. But yeah. I'm definitely tipping West Coast. I can't. I don't. I, I just don't trust Melbourne. And I know that if I, I'm not going to put any money on this because it, it's be that'd be silly. But I know that when I tip, if I tip Melbourne and they lose, yep. I will be my weekend will be ruined. Yeah. Whereas if I tip West Coast and they lose, well, I'm going to be very annoyed at Melbourne anyway. Yeah. I'll be less annoyed than what if I did if the reverse happened. Oh. So I'm just tipping West Coast based on that. Totally. Buddy Melbourne, get out of my life. I'm rolling in it. A second upset alert, the one you just mentioned, Essendon versus Fremantle. That's Saturday night, seven twenty-five. Essendon are a dollar thirty-nine favourites still. Asterisks on that for a second. Fremantle, $2.85 outsiders. The line here is 16.5. The over-under, 165. Why the asterisks? How many players will be missing for Essendon this week, Baz? Well, apparently, uh, definitely Smith and definitely um, Orazio. Uh, Mark Bagley might be back. With, I don't know. Joe Danaher might be back. Still not sure. Mitch Brown still obviously out. Um, there's also some you know speculation over Shield. Hurley, not a hundred percent, and obviously Bell Chambers uh, might be back. Or, so he played on the weekend, but he's still carrying a knock. So they carried a few few players that weren't a hundred percent into that game, and it showed a bit. As you know, Freeman on the other hand um, really got through pretty much un, unscathed against Richmond, and they were poor against Richmond. And look, I think. They're definitely dangerous enough and they, they could probably play that sort of ballistic style that Essendon want to play and probably go head-to-head with them and be good enough to beat them. And we've seen that this year when they've had their, their chances, they've scored highly. So obviously they haven't done anything for a couple of weeks, but you know they scored nearly 100 points against the Doggies and earlier in the year they scored over 100 points at home. Yes, it's away, but they've had a few wins away this year as well, the, the Dockers. Um, and yeah, I just think that Dockers' class over the ground is better and they've got... You know, hopefully they bring in a good ruck. If Sean Darcy plays, I'll be stoked. Um, I think their four line's pretty talented. They've been missing the last two weeks, but I think they can get back on the ball. The midfielders are really, really good. You know, Fife, Mundy, Langdon. Uh, you know, their back line holds up really, really well. And they've got good matchups for their back line, especially with no Fantasia. That, that opens it up a bit. Um, you know, Pierce was pretty well beaten by Lynch on the weekend, so I expect him to bounce back, even if Joe Danaher does play. And yeah, I just think that this is a bit closer than what the odds make it. Especially now with the, with those injuries, and which I said, I think I expect that line that line and those odds to creep in a little bit. So we did mention in, in the other segment that Fremantle's entry kicks are pretty poor at the moment. Yep. So do we see blokes like a McGrath using that to rebound? They've been using him, and he's currently the ninth best in the competition for uh, intercepts and points scored from intercept. So he's already up to 40-plus points for the season off intercepts if Fremantle continue to have that junk entries he could he could be a bit of a damaging effect or yeah. has that been nullified by their outs well, I think it's been nullified a bit but there's 
that's probably one thing where if, if Fremont do butcher the footy going back inside going inside um, their forward 50 Essendon are a score from defensive 50 team so if you look at the stats over the last however many years since the stats have been taken no team has won a grand final from scoring majority mm. from defensive 50 turnover no team's won a grand final and that's what Essendon do they they're, they score ma- mainly their main score sources from turnover inside defensive 50 scores so that's something Freeman have been doing really really you know, obviously that's what I'm talking about they've been going inside their forward 50 and butchering it and it comes out the other end which is same as what Melbourne's been doing and we saw what Essendon did to Melbourne I'm just backing in Freeman I'm getting the get able to get the ball in there cleaner and hit some targets and I'm backing blokes like Materia's been a bit quieter that Sukowski uh, actually impresses me a bit he's got a lot of speed and obviously Walters to finally turn up and do something this week and have a big impact and even Nyhouse like those sorts of blokes around the around that four line who've got pace and able to tackle and harass if they can do their jobs probably and this is sort of something that I reckon Ross Lyon would be preparing really well for he knows what they're sending to give them it's just whether the players can execute and they've been pretty poor last two weeks I'm backing them to bounce back so you mentioned Ross Lyon you mentioned in the previous section there that Wush is not really your favourite coach and one that could be in the gun. How do you, how well do you reckon Freya could maintain a lead? And the reason I say they might maintain a lead is because of how they score their points. So Freya's outscored the opposition by a total of 67 in the opening 10 minutes of quarters this season. That's the third best in the AFL. Conversely, Essendon concede... Uh, Essendon have been outscored by 55 points in the opening 10 minutes of quarters, ranked 17th. So Essendon drop behind, not only early in games, but every single quarter they come out slow. Yeah. So can you see Ross Lyon being able to, if you can get a two-goal lead each quarter, being able to lock it down after that? I reckon you want his players to take, keep taking it on. Yeah. That's when they've played their best footy when they've tried to take it on this year. And look... On the weekend, they, they yeah they butchered the footy going inside fifty, but they still had some opportunities, but they just missed. Mm. And they pro- I think they were in front scoring shots for a bit there. And you know, Richmond started off really well, got that four goal lead, but before I think it was five minutes into the ten minutes in the second quarter, Fremantle were two goals up, so they scored you know six seven goals against Richmond, who were a very good defensive team, play know their structures very well, and they went toe to toe with them and outscored them. Then they missed some really easy opportunities. They had some poor decisions, some poor free kicks given away as well. I think there's one of them was a hundred meter penalty, and Richmond got the momentum going again. And they're always chasing, so that the game was always open. And Richmond just played some bloody good footy. If that was Essendon playing Richmond, I reckon Richmond would have won by a lot more. Yeah. So I, I'm yeah. I know it's at Etihad Stadium, and Freo haven't played played Essendon once or twice there recently. And yeah. There's no history there, which we've been talking about a bit this year with history between teams. But my gut feel says that, yeah, Freo are going better and Essendon aren't, and I think Essendon are a bit of strife. And I think the, the number one set that kind of sums it up is that as much as we say that uh, Freo's entry kicks are pretty poor, Essendon have conceded 56 points directly from turnovers this season. That is directly. On top of that, as much as we've all been uh, slagging off our good friend Mr Shield in the uh, group chats... It's Dyson Heppel who averages four disposals per turnover this season, which is the worst out of any person in the top 50 ball getters in the AFL. Yep. So they do not have good ball users, no. and that will hurt them. So especially I'm with you. Especially now Smith's out. Yeah. yeah. Especially when they lose some class with injuries. Frio is offering us $2.85. That's a good value pick. What's the line? Just that interest. And the line at the moment is 16 So that's even that's pretty good, I reckon. So there we go. Some good value there for an upset alert. Two for the week. And... Uh, yeah, hopefully we've found our radar and our compass for you come round nine. On to our 50-50s, and there's a lot this week. So we'll start off 2-10. We're going to the Gabba. Brisbane are $1.76 favourites. Adelaide, $2.05 outsiders. The line here is a very slim three and a half points. How much are we buying into a showdown victory for Adelaide? I'm still not sold on Adelaide. I'm still, not sold on them still, at all. I haven't really beat anyone. They beat a poor port who... Port had just as many inside 50s as could capitalise and you know, we spoke about before the young forward line wasn't good enough they're still missing some stars down there Port Adelaide capitalised Port still came back and nearly you know we're getting close so he could have probably pinched it if it hadn't been for some soft moments from a few Port players not going to name names but Motlop um, so Adelaide capitalised on that, on some you know 
bad decisions and poor footy. They won the game, but still, I'm not sold on their last three weeks. And I'm still not sold on them uh, being a, a contender this year. Uh, still, they've been very, very good defensively lately. They are the number one defensive team at the moment. So yeah. yeah, and that's because I think going forward, they struggle to score a bit as well. You know, they've lost some potency. You know, Betts isn't, 100, isn't what he was. Um, Taylor Walker's doing the, the mostly, you know, the big forward role now. Uh, Himmelberg's playing a role. Uh, the big in's been Hugh Greenwood. He's been really, really good. You know, Murphy's still learning his craft. Their midfield's very same, same. Butcher the footy. I feel like I say this the same every week. Keith's been great for him, though. Good on him. The best team was Brown. Like he, he, he killed Sam Sep, uh, Pepper on the weekend. And anyone else you put near him, he was amazing. Uh, he's a very, very good player. Very, very underrated uh, in the football world. And I think... Uh, if you had to watch the game, so it would remind you how good he actually is. But I think Brisbane, for mine, their ball movement, if they continue that, they will, they will just off for one quarter against the Doggies on the weekend. And I'll be ruining it because they had him pretty much on toast. And even when they came back in that last quarter, he showed, yeah, they probably let themselves down, a bit of inconsistency. They're a different team at home, Brisbane. They're a lot better at home. Uh, yeah, the only one probably bad game was against Collingwood this year. And yeah, I just think that they're they're going to be too good, and um, you know, O'Brien's been good as a ruckman, serviceable, but Martin's going to have a field day. Uh, their four lines going to you know really test the Dower sort of defensive Adelaide, um, and it will test the likes of Roy Led and, and uh, Barry Smith, who because of Brown and and Kelly and uh, you know Keith and those sorts of blokes who've been playing outstanding football. They end off the chain a bit more, so they're the ones exiting the ball and you know kicking and doing having that main role. But I don't reckon against a, a good Brisbane forward line and a good f- Brisbane midfield, it's pretty exciting, quick and sleek. They won't be able to have that freedom because no. yeah, it's a bit of a different ga- ground as well with the Gabba. They, I reckon their zonal system might get broken up a bit, especially in those conditions up there. That's generally a bit greasy and humid. Although it is a Saturday afternoon, so it might be a bit bit, more, bit easier on the. Hmm. On the uh, the dewy dewiness of, the, of it all, but I still think uh, Brisbane. Yeah, and the stats kind of backed it up for Adelaide. I have them. I haven't bought him in them at all. I think, as you said, like no team really scores from those defensive fifty scoring chains in the long run in terms of finals and grand finals, and it's also not a very good predictor of wins week to week. So the the four things that are the best predictors of win uh, weeks wins week to week are inside fifties. Total scores, regardless of accuracy, and inside 50 efficiency. And so whilst Adelaide are third on the ladder, they rank 11th for those things combined. Yeah. Brisbane are fifth on the ladder and fourth in those things. Yep. They're, they're a much better attacking side and still quite a good defensive side. Uh, the other thing is that as much as Adelaide's defence is being lauded, they're still not great at using it for the whole, over the whole season, and they're ranked 17th for defensive half turnovers and getting scored against in them. Yep. So. Brisbane will bring that pressure. They'll, they'll be able to eat off those turnovers. And they've just got some guys that can do some, some good things up forward. They've got that little bit of X-fact, a little bit of extra skill. Uh, and as much as Adelaide are a good clearance team in terms of scoring from clearance, Brisbane are just a better clearance team. So they'll take yeah. away their strength or at least nullify it. Uh, and the last one from a betting angle is that the Lions have outscored their opposition by 52 points in fourth quarters this season. They're the number one ranked team in fourth quarters. Adelaide... Eleventh uh, in fourth quarters, so if it's tight and they keep it tight for three quarters, expect Brisbane to run over them at the yeah. end. Looks, what's the Port Adelaide ran over the top of them? Yeah, the last, last week, and they took the game on and stuff. And that sort of ball movement that Port had in the last quarter is what Brisbane like doing, and that it could trouble the uh, zonal defense of the Adelaide Crows. So it'll be interesting to see whether Brisbane allow them to have the spares, mm. if they man them up, or what they do, or how they use that. Yeah, it'll be a good, ta- good tactical battle, I think. On to our second 50-50 for the week. We're heading down to Tasmania. It's going to be mighty chilly, methinks. North Melbourne are playing Sydney. North are $1.52 favourites. That's right, $1.52. Sydney, $2.41 outsiders. The line here is 12. The over-under is a one sixty-seven. dollars uh, why, why are North favourites here? Is it just because it's in Tasmania? Because uh, they beat Carlton and we're competitive against the... Geelong um, I, I can't no buddy there's no buddy this week I think Sydney got through pretty 
unscathed mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in the game. Uh, I mean, Harry Reynolds was best on for the Sydney NEFL team, which is good. He might be getting a call up. I hope so. Um, I'll keep mentioning him on the podcast until he does get a run. Uh, I hope he's. <laughs> I think he's actually down this weekend uh, in Melbourne, so he might not be playing. But um, unless he's on his way to on the on his way to Tassie, Tassie but. Um, yeah, there's no, there's no Franklin. Uh, Reed might be out, and Kieran Jack might be out. But uh, <laughs> how can you tip North? I don't know how you can tip either of these two teams because <laughs> Sydney won last week because they they're both the same team. <laughs> they're both yuck. So Sydney is ranked sixteenth in scoring from clearances. North are ranked eighteenth in scoring from clearances. Uh, they both love to play like boring contested footy and not like kick it very far in terms of disposals. They like all about handballs. Um, yeah, Sydney's without Buddy. Uh, North is basically without Ben Brown. He's the second worst target to hit up in the AFL at the moment, Ben Brown. And he's getting a cop. Like, and, and it's easy because you just you just mark him up because they know you're going to kick to him. Yeah. They kick to him too often for a bloke that can't deal with a contested. A contested grab essentially yeah. if he cops a tag but yeah they only retain it 24% of the time retain the ball inside 50 24% of the time when they hit him up and, and Sydney's another team that likes to score from back up yeah so yeah they go to Brownie a lot he's not a big contested mark that's what trying to say he doesn't take those big pack marks like a lynch or a no st- you can't use a bailout kick to Brown yeah yeah I know what you mean and he, get, and he gets unfairly copped for it because it's not his fault they're using yeah. him incorrectly yeah so yeah, I'm, this game's yuck, and I'm just going to say I'm probably going to tip Sydney. Oh, okay. I'm just going to tip North because it's in Tasmania. That's it. That's all I've got. Oh, yeah. Well, that's... Yeah. Otherwise, fuck, I wouldn't. Coin toss. And don't don't put money on it, please. One game worth watching. 3.20, Sunday. The traditional time slot. Richmond are $1.64 favourites after a big win against Fremantle, and Hawthorne, despite absolutely spanking the Giants in an absolute masterclass from, as you said... Mr. Alistair Belichick Clarkson. They're $2.20 outsiders. The line here is only 6.5. The over under, 164. Is there an argument to say that Hawthorne are favourites in this? No. Like, and obviously the odds don't say that either. No, but no. that was a big convincing win against the Giants. I suppose they do, they do play the sort of footy that Richmond don't want you to play. Like that, that uncontested marks. It's essentially what Collingwood did to Richmond... Yeah. Earlier this year. They'll probably get Isaac Smith and Wingo back, you would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, Richmond got more injuries. Uh, you know, Nank, obviously down, and uh, Jack Ross is probably out as well. So they've got a lot of injuries at the moment. And <laughs> who's in a ruck for Richmond? Griggs retired, so he's your, yeah. your second ruckman. Yeah. Probably uh, uh, Ivan Soldo or... Um, it's going to be Soldo or Bolter. Bolter again. Oh, gee, that's probably something where... Against Big Boy McAvoy, who, you know, he's not a top three ruck anymore, but he's still bloody good. I reckon he's probably top five. Um, can your midfield stand up again? So, my concern is, you know, you went to Port, you won, and you came back and got spanked by the doggies. You've gone on the West Coast and won. Same, and similar modes. Yeah. So, massive list of outs, went to Port Adelaide, won. Massive list of outs, everyone wrote them off, went to West Coast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, went to, went to Fremantle, Western yeah. Australia, so- and won. You come back here against a, against the best coach team in the game. Yep. And they've got the same thing. They've got the no one believes in us either. Yeah, and to borrow to borrow to borrow Belichickisms. Yep. They 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 schooled GVs. Yeah. They allowed GVs none of what and you know there's those sliding door moments in games and it's been spoken about in you know, a fair bit across the media where there's a little turning points. I think it was uh they talked about it with the Port Adelaide Collingwood game where uh, Lysette missed a game, missed a couple of goals, or missed a goal early and then went down the other end. Uh, Finlayson had two shots on goal early in the Hawthorne JWS game from good ball movement by JWS, shanked them both. Now, if he had to kick both of those, I wonder if the game had been a bit, would have been a bit different because it would have started off with two goals JWS, Hawthorne going, oh, hang on a minute, is this actually zonal stuff that uh, Clarko's been showing us last week in videos? Is it going to work? And GWS confidently just carving up, going, oh, we're just going to back ourselves in today. Yeah. Just kick straight across. Eh? Anyway, I'm still dirty on that because I lost a lot of money on GWS. But anyway, um, I can't tip Hawthorne, though. 
I no, just can't. And you can't because the difference between the Giants and Richmond is that Richmond don't have the guns at the moment to rely on class. They will rely on their trademark grit. So they're, they're third in defensive one-on-ones at the moment. So they'll, they'll defend hard. And it doesn't matter who, who they bring in, they're all committing to that. Their tackle efficiency is second in the league behind only uh, Melbourne, who are a good tackling side, so 67%. And they they just commit to their Richmond style, the chaos ball. The, they do bomb it long, they do kick it long, but they get they just want to make sure when they turn the ball over, they're turning it over as far away from their own goal, the defensive goal as possible. Yeah. And that's none of that stuff is what Giants did. And if Giants did that, if they committed frontal pressure on Hawthorne, then it forces them to give up the zone and take a man. So... I think if they can commit to doing that, they beat. If they, they can bring the ball to ground inside 450, yeah. they're a bloody dangerous side because Stania, Baker, Bolton, those have still got Dusty Caddy around. If they can bring the ball to ground, cause uh, a lot of pressure in their forward half, if they can win enough ball out of the middle, if Grimes and uh, Garthwaite, is it Garthwaite and uh, Asprey can have, you know, hold up down, really they should, really your back line should almost keep Hawthorne's fourth line scoreless because. Apart from Gunston, who hasn't had the best year yet this year, he's been pretty quiet. And you know, Poplo in and out, he played his best game probably last week. Mitchell Lewis is a pretty much you know inexperienced forward who's still learning the craft. Really, what else is down there that's dangerous? Not much. Wingard might be back, but for, and obviously um, Bruce is a very smart player, a very very good player, and probably Grimes goes to him. I just can't see Hawthorne kicking a score, and I think that Richmond should be able to kick more than score more than Hawthorne because mm. like I said your four line's dangerous your midfield probably should break even the rucks are worry I think your back line has Hawthorne's four line covered for matchups so yeah and that's why I'll be tipping Richmond and as you mentioned there the number one stat for mine and the number one stat for the year as you said last week grand ball gets lose grand ball gets Hawthorne ranks 16th yeah. so Richmond will will get that ball they will get that ball and they'll force them to play a style football that Hawthorne aren't comfortable playing for long periods of time so tip Richmond, but definitely a no bet game because uh, I'm not betting against Clarkson ever again. Yep. On to our sure things to round out the weekend. It starts Saturday, one forty five. Collingwood, a dollar twenty favourites against St Kilda, who are four twenty outsiders. The line here is twenty seven and a half. You keep making me nervous when you make Collingwood sure things, mate. Well, because they should be, yeah. and you know you won last week. You this, still haven't lost when you're a sure thing. This is a type of thing. This is a type of game we would lose. Yeah, but this is this is this okay. If it was Carlton, I'd, I'd buy into it. But it's St Kilda, who are on the back of a losing slump. Who is a team that? Where, where does St Kilda worry you? What line worries you? Just they're gonna they're gonna get absolutely mauled in the ruck. Oh, just something about absolutely this game. mauled. Something about in all seriousness, something about this game worries me. What is it then? Let's I, articulate. Let's work it through. I, I don't know. That's what's worrying. <laughs> I just feel like we're due a loss. And that's that's probably not a great thing to think, but they, I, it's at the MCG, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's good because, well, to be fair, we beat them last year um, in round nine, but the previous two two beatings uh, at the MCG and one at Marble, St Kilda knocked us off. So they have caused us issues over the last few years. Uh, obviously, our ruck dominance should be and our midfield dominance. We've picked up a few injuries though. That's the thing. So obviously. Uh, Jamie Elliott now has who's hamstring and they're going to take the you know be very cautious with him. Aisha, I don't reckon they'll risk him. Uh, Appleby, he's playing Resis anyway, but he probably won't play. Beams, I doubt they'll bring back Beams. I reckon I'll give him another week. Uh, Main got concussion, so you know there's a few blokes who are a bit you know iffy. I reckon Josh Thomas is definitely in the gun. Has to be in the gun. I'm, I've been saying this pretty much every week. I reckon he's he needs probably to be dropped for a week or two just to make... Kick start him again. Yeah, yeah kick start him again. Or he might not be good enough in our side anymore. So Varco was okay on the weekend. Wells was okay on the weekend. Um, Cox probably comes back in. Uh, there's a lot of lot of rumours that Isaac Quainer might play his first game. Um, so, you know, either way, we're going to have some changes. I think we should win, win and win, you know, by four or five goals in a pretty comfortable... A bit like what West Coast did, I think should be in arm's length, you know, just in in, in front enough that it won't worry us. And so, can you solve your biggest problem? Which is, well, do you got two problems in my opinion with Colin at the moment? One is 
what is happening with your midfield. So you've been sharked from hitouts 25% of the time. One in four of your hitouts you lose from getting sharked, which is the worst in the competition, when you have the best Ruckman and apparently the best midfield. Yep. So how does that happen? How do you solve it? Well, I think we need to get some blue-collar midfielders now that do a bit of both ways. So and that's why if Braden Sear was 100% fit and available, I'd be playing him. Because he showed last year, he just adds that um, something else to our midfield. Even Rupert Wills just might play... You need that bloke that plays the like almost a decoy or... You know he's not going to get it at stoppage, but he put the bollocking work, bollocking work on and just helps out your other midfielders get a bit of space. I reckon all our midfielders are ball winners, so none of them are really doing that for each other. If you look at our four line, they're finding the right matchups, they're moving, the changing whoever's deeper. Mm. I don't think our midfield does that as well, that well at the moment. It's you know they've been playing together long enough, but they've also had some inclusions like you know Beams is now in there, so it changes the the, the format a bit, but or how it looks. Um, I, I just think that yeah, it's a bit more cohesion. And yeah, a bit like the GWS series, you need you need your cop blue collar workers, you need your grunt. So whether that happens or not, I don't know whether Greenwood's in a stay. I, I I don't I don't know why it keeps going. There's rumours that Jordan Roughhead isn't 100. percent He's carrying something, so they might rest him because there really isn't really a matchup. I mean, I think Langdon could probably take one of hmm. Membry or uh, uh, Bruce, and I think, you know, obviously Darcy Moore takes the other. And our small our smalls look after their smalls, no worries. Um, and obviously you've got Jeremy House still can play tall. I just I don't know about midfield. It's been worrying me all year, and it still is. But I, I, I'm hoping that with more time, more cohesion, and um, as the season gets on a bit more, it gets better. So then my second problem I have for Collingwood is more like a trend. It's it, I don't know why it happens, but it's happening happening all year. You are the number one ranked first quarter team, and the number sixteenth ranked second quarter team. Now, this is extra concerning for mine because St Kilda are the third best second quarter team in the competition. Yeah, so we could be 10 goals up at quarter time and only three it up at half time. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. I'm still winning. But do you, is that a problem? Do, do we do we care if we don't win the second? No, I think, I think uh, Bucks obviously has a, a mantra on jumping out of the blocks and getting away with a good start and then um, not defending the game but just slowing the game down a bit. I think it backfires. Yeah. So if you want an angle in this game, you can get St Kilda to win the second, based on those stats I just said. So third best second quarter team versus Collingwood, who are the 16th best second quarter team, paying $2.88. A decent value bet. But the tip here is clearly Collingwood, even though Brian's a bit uh, Ian and Brucey now curvous about it. Saturday, 4.35. Absolute no-brainer this one. Geelong, $1.20 at Acadena Park against the Doggies. Also 4.20 outsiders. The line here is 33 is there anything that's going to upset the apple cut here? Which no, one? no, just just Geelong tip, tip Geelong because we're on the Geelong bandwagon. Here we go. So get on. You're on now. Well, get some doggies. Oh, okay. Doggies are putrid. I know, but I, I, I know don't... they've won the last two doggies, but doggies are still putrid. Yeah. Uh, no, they should win this if they're as good as what they think they are. Everyone's telling me they are. Geelong win this game, so I'm tipping Geelong. Yeah. No bet. Absolutely no bet. Uh, only bet I would make. Would be I'm a big one now. I'm believing your philosophies around uh, milestone games and revenge games and the and the vibe and the gut. Yeah, I reckon Lukey Dalhouse might prove a point because they shipped him off. Yeah, and he was one of their better players. He was, and I think he might get a little bit of uh, two two mil fingers in the air to the uh, doggies. So a few touches, or a few touches, maybe a couple of goals. I think the old double double. Double double. Two goals, twenty touches. That's not a bad bet. Moving on to Sunday, one ten. Port Adelaide are playing against Gold Coast. Port Adelaide twenty favourites. Gold Coast, 4 25 outsiders. It's at the Adelaide Oval. It's another 33-point line. And as much as the Suns are going to try, try, try their hardest, surely this is the week the Port Power bounce back, take the game on and put them away. I'm taking Port line. This will be very similar to what happened last time they played at Adelaide uh, for Gold Coast against uh, Adelaide. This time it's against Port. I think Port will blow them out of the water. Yep, can't argue with that. And uh, to round out, the 440 game. And boy, oh boy, like they've really scheduled some absolute stinkers at some wrong time slots this week. But we're going to round out the weekend with Giants, our twelve favourites against Carlton, who are $6 outsiders at Giants Stadium. The line here is 37 points, the over-under 164. Boy, oh boy, wowee. Will the Blues lose by 100 points? No, I won't lose by 100, I reckon, again. It- 
this could go the same as what happened against North. So they're up the week before Carlton, and they lost. They lost. don't get. They don't get it. They don't get that like relief. Yeah. They don't get any. So of they it. have so that drop. Just... Uh, GWS will be seeding after their pathetic, insipid performance last week. Their mentally weak performance. They went. To, they went to the MCG. <laughs> also, a performance that definitely cost barrel money. So that's why no, it's it so was angry. It team, was. It was terrible. It was but pathetic. Yeah. It was almost as bad. Freeman was in. Freeman was Freeman was worse, I reckon, than what Joe is. But that was bad. Yeah. And uh, they will want to. They want to fix up whatever they got to fix up to make sure when they come to Melbourne for next time they play the MCG, they get a win because otherwise the media's gonna keep talking about it. And, and credit uh, to Leon Cameron, he did. Like, he just went like, "We don't talk about it. We don't think it's a thing." But I understand why you think it's a thing because yeah. clearly the numbers suggest it's probably a thing. Yep. Yeah. So they know it's a thing. Yep. He basically, it's again, we didn't, we're not rebuilding, but we're rebuilding. It's, like, it's not a thing, but it's definitely a thing. Tip Giants, and uh, if you want to be like Barrel, take the line as well, but I'd be staying away from oh, no, that I'm one. not touching the barrel. I'm not touching the line. Okay. Oh, I'm not that silly. Okay. Tip, tip Giants, and uh, move on with the, uh, the rest of your weekend before you go back to work on Monday. Double your money and make a stack. We're coming back. We're refreshed. We're backing in our systems. We're trusting ourselves. We're getting out of this rut. Our feature bets for round nine. Now, Baz, pause. Start of the season. You said Carlson, Gold Coast, 61 to 75 every week of the season. Money for jam. I have concerns. Carlton's season average so far is 75, which is the upper limit of this. Yeah. Uh, Gold Coast's season average is 62. Which is the bottom limit of this? Yep. Do we need to readjust? No. 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 Will Will the Suns score sixty one points against Port Adelaide? I know you haven't got the first two. Rounds I know. Yeah. Yep. 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 So yep. From up to round three, we'll six from, or five from six. Yes. We've struggled a bit since round four. Yes. We're still in front. Yes, correct. We are still in front. We're still fourteen percent return on investment, which is very tasty. I I reckon this week's me a double. So you reckon they're going to score 61? I suppose, like I say, how much better are Port than Melbourne? Because, like, they scored 60 against Melbourne. Yeah. Oh, actually, sorry, Gold Coast could struggle this way to score 60. But I reckon I reckon Carlton will fall directly in that 61-75 line. Okay. But Gold Coast could could go close to scoring 60, but 61, sorry. They scored 60 on the bloody weekend. Yeah. One more point will be right. Yeah. But they didn't. They didn't. So, anyway, look... I still think it's a good bet, and we'll reassess maybe around 10 or 11. Okay. Lock those two in. Boom, boom. Uh, Carlton's paying $2.88, suggesting that it is going to be in that sweet spot at 61.75. Gold Coast, they're paying $3.75, which is suggesting it's probably an outside bet. But gamble responsibly. You make your own decisions. On to our featured bets. And uh, let's start with our sure things and work our way down. Uh, my sure thing for this week is Geelong to win the first quarter by seven and a half against the doggies, they'll come out. That game will be dead by quarter time. Uh, they are the equal first best first quarter team, and they are also the best second quarter team. They just love to kill games early, so lock that one in. Uh, West Coast at the line twenty two and a half. If and my second best would be Brisbane at the line three and a half. They're, they're my two best bets. Lovely stuff. Uh, are you having a nibble at Fremantle? Yeah, that's my, that's my value. Yep, that's my value. I reckon they will, yeah. They will win, Fremantle, at $2.85. Uh, my roughie is a pretty safe roughie. It's only $3.13, but we just want to get the hits. We want to get our strike rate better up. So we're going to... I could go the cover here as well, but I'm just going to go the head-to-heads. So Brisbane to win the fourth quarter, $1.74. Remembering that they are the second-best fourth-quarter team in the competition at the moment. They're playing against a very weak fourth-quarter team. And to win the head-to-head. So, Brisbane to win the fourth. Brisbane to win head-to-head. That's paying $3.13. And that's my roughy in inverted commas. And yours, Baz, to round out the week, where's our value coming from? Well, I'm going back to what you said about Luke Dowhouse. Oh, yes. So, he is at currently to get more than 25 touches, $3.30. 25 to get 25 or more, $3.30. I reckon he can get that because I just reckon he's having a field day. 
What about 20 and 2 goals? 20 and 2 goals. Well, yeah, I reckon, yeah, there you go. Bit of, bit of, bit bit of rough, rough action on the outside there as well. All right, as always, if you have uh, some better picks, some better angles, maybe some more elaborate multis if you're feeling a bit confident about your form after eight rounds of the AFL season, hit us up on Twitter at SC underscore mag underscore Oz or slide into the comment section of our Facebook page, that is Sporting Chance Magazine. Or if you're driving back from a tough loss in the Ammos uh, down Baldwin Way, drop into the Yorkshire Hotel and uh, we'll share a commiserationary froth with you over the bar. Good luck for the weekend, Baz, both on the punt and for the uh, young lads down at OBFC. Cheers, mate. Got Fitzroy. Hopefully uh, bounce back. Always bounce back. We'll be doing the same, and we'll see you next week. Come on.